Welcome to TG2Cast. I'm your host, Aaron Blackwelder. Today I have the privilege to talk with Patty McGee, writer of the book, Feedback That Moves Writers Forward. Today we'll be discussing her book, Patty is a mom to Jack, who is 17, and Shannon, who is 12. She is a literary consultant with Gravity Goldberg, LLC. In her 23 years as an educator, she has held the roles of classroom teacher, library media specialist, and literary coach, and now is consulting, working with grades pre-K through 12. She has also taught a few college-level courses, and her first book came out last spring. Patty received the Millican Education Award, which has been linked to the Oscars for teaching. When not writing, working, or juggling family life, Patty paints and hikes. Welcome, Patty. Let's go for this. Uh, So why don't you tell us about your book? Okay, so my first book, Feedback That Moves Writers Forward, um, it came from a whole lot of thinking about uh, the way that I had been given feedback um, as a writer growing up and even as an adult writer uh, and the sort of feedback I was giving to kids. And I was finding that there was this common thread among many generations of people who really disliked writing and felt very uncomfortable um, having writing in their lives, including myself. And Teachers who were teaching writing never thought of themselves as writers, and um, and if they did, they they were so conventionally focused. It was it was just such a. It's almost like if they knew grammar, they felt like they were comfortable writers. And I thought to myself, what is it that is this common thread? I'm seeing kids in classrooms that I work in every day feeling the same way. My mm-hmm. dad, who was like 75 when I was writing it, was feeling the same way, and. I was feeling that way. And so here we are with three generations. And I thought to myself, there's got to be better ways of giving feedback. And it's, that's really just what set me on the journey of, of really trying to figure out how can we still give feedback that doesn't damage writers, um, mm-hmm. but still helps them grow. Yeah. Okay. And that's how born. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I've, I've, as a teacher, I've run across uh, students who, um, never say, oh, I can't come up with the ideas. They're always worried about the grammar and, um, you know, how they're going to be perceived because of the grammar. And, uh, yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed with kids. But, um, anyways, yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I don't think grammar is separate from writing, which I think goes into the article that I wrote for teachers going gradeless. Um, I don't think there's a way to separate grammar and writing though, for some reason, historically, they've been taught separately. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's almost like if we can worksheet kids to pieces on grammar, <laughs> then somehow they're going to be able to do the work in their writing. And uh, I think that, yes, we can have grammar studies, and I think those are important. Yet at the same time, if we never build the bridge between our grammar studies and our writing, we're not effect as effective writers as we could be and grammar doesn't have to be in correction mode all the time either that we can teach grammar explicitly so that kids are using it for stylistic purposes um and younger kids use grammar in different ways and then high schoolers use grammar in different ways obviously more sophisticated but there is a development of grammar over time it's not like you can just learn it know it and use it all 
I feel like I'm still working with different grammatical techniques in my writing. Yeah. And the more I write, the more I am learning to stylistically use them. And I'm in my mid forties. So if we're expecting kids that are anywhere from eight to even 17 being perfect grammatically, um, I think we're putting a lot of emphasis on something that is pretty unrealistic. Um, I think we can always teach grammar, but being perfect at grammar, I have to say there were many people that reread my book before it be, that before it became um, before it was printed, right. and one was a copy editor, and after that was a proofreader, <laughs> and before that were a couple of other editors. So it's the world of writing. There's a, a fleet of people that help you with that. Yeah. So while we want to learn it, use it, we also know that um, it takes a village to be grammatically correct. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now. You mentioned the uh, Stop Grammar Time piece that you wrote for uh, TG2. And um, I was curious, I, I wanted to know, um, what's your advice to a teacher um, who has beginning writers? Uh, should they, should they um, start with grammar? Should they start with content? Or should they start with structure? What should be a starting point for writers? Yes. I think that the starting point for writers that struggle or are new to writing should be the same thing, same place that writers start. Writers start with ideas mm -hmm. and playing with those ideas and growing those ideas and seeing how those ideas um, might then be structured and playing around with structure and trying out different structures and then really starting to develop and elaborate um, on that. And from there, they're playing with grammar. I think uh, grammar falls into revision, um, especially if, we, if we're teaching the techniques of grammar without it being identification, like show me all the nouns in your sentence right now, isn't necessarily the way to show how to use nouns well. Right. Um, so I think that it falls, grammar instruction for newer writers falls a little bit mid-process, just like it does for all of us writers. Um, there's one page in my book where I show my notebook that was like the first page of my ideas getting down on paper. And I really was not thinking about grammar when I was getting those ideas down. Um, nor was I thinking of structure at that point. I wanted to choose a structure that was going to support my bigger meaning. Kids, even as young as eight, doing that with them in notebooks all the way through, it's a timeless and ageless sort of process. So I think it's really... At the beginning, um, for every writer, is is finding ideas, understanding that ideas grow, respecting those ideas, and mm -hmm. seeing how they can flourish, and then bringing in the techniques of writing that make those ideas strongly communicated. Okay, so start with the ideas. Now, um, we spent a lot of time talking about grammar. What about structure? Yes. So I actually, um, I think that one of the coolest things I discovered in, in my research was being able to, yes, yeah, sorry, my daughter's <laughs> just walked in. Um, so being able to um, think about structure and that there's possibilities within structures um, that within, within a piece of narrative writing, there's multiple structures that we can take on. There isn't just say the story mountain right um, within um, informational writing, there's all different sorts of structures that we can try out. Um, and so when we have our ideas and then we try on different structures within 
with those ideas to see how they could be best communicated, how they best support our meeting. If we start with structure, sometimes that structure feels like a formula and we stop thinking about what we're writing and what our bigger meaning is. And we are instead plugging in the content into a formula in order to fit the formula rather than to use the structure to enhance the meaning. Okay. So it all comes down to what we're trying to communicate as writers. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I know that, uh, as a writer myself, um, yeah, it starts with the ideas and sometimes I'm constantly moving things around, changing things around and until I'm ultimately happy with that. So let's jump into your book. Um, so what kind of reception do you feel that you've had with the book so far? It's given me so many opportunities to connect with people so much farther outside my bubble here of right outside New York City. Um, I have some really wonderful places that I work with here that I've been able to connect widely. I mean, here I am talking to you and yeah. you're out on the West Coast and um, and your whole community of teachers. Is, it's been so wonderful. And it's also been an opportunity to really discuss openly the, um, the way that we've traditionally given feedback in writing. And it's really, it's, I, I feel so good about it. I have so many pinch me moments with this where it's a message that I've been talking about for a long time in my own circle, um, which is pretty wide in this area, which is so nice. Now it's, it's really connecting with people all over. And so I feel like it's been, it's been well received. Um, what, uh, the book provides examples and focuses on middle grade writers. Um, how is it applicable to, I'm a secondary teacher and I've read it and I've used several things, but what's your vision for secondary or even college teachers uh, using your text? Yes. Well, I, I think that um, the concepts of are absolutely ageless and timeless. It's the same way that we can give feedback to in really any subject area and to anyone um, in ways that respect the effort and the strengths and the challenges of whoever is doing the work. Mm -hmm. So the content that changes a little bit is where in the book I've, I've really addressed the band of, of the middle grades in order to give tools for middle grade teachers to be able to give more specific content feedback but the instructional techniques of how to give feedback and um, the ways that we approach writers is the same for all ages. Okay. Yeah, I, I can put And agree. Yeah, I, so I think that um, the content in terms of, say, argument writing will be more sophisticated um, than what's in my book in, in a high school setting, or it's more opinion writing when it's primary, but at the same time, we can still offer different ways of say structuring a piece of argument or paper choice for primary when we're um, planning out our opinion pieces. So the content of how we teach it changes, but the fact that we could give choice to a writer of any age is timeless. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in chapter three, uh, the power of three. I really like that concept. Could you explain that? Could you explain that? Sure, absolutely. So I felt like there were three parts that within feedback um, 
that we give to writers. And as I imagine feedback, most of the time the feedback is verbal feedback. Um, it, it can be written feedback as well. Um, and whatever case, there were these three essentials that I was able to boil it down to. And the first one was that it was about that writer and their writing to start off with. Um, and second, that it was goal-centered. And third, is that it was explicit, that there's a strategy attached. So what I mean by that is, first, we're looking at what this writer needs at this moment and who they are right now. And if we were in their shoes, what would be our natural next step? And is that based on a larger goal that we've been focusing on? Um, whatever the goal is for the assignment or whatever the goal is for the unit of study, um, or perhaps it's a self-chosen goal by the student, is this giving them feedback to help them move toward and in the direction of that goal? And if it is, is it in a step-by-step, -step, very explicit way? Because something like, um, you didn't really put enough punctuation in this piece, you know, keep going, isn't really an explicit way of teaching how to do that. So instead, what we, what we do is give a strategy where it's a short step-by-step of what a writer can do to take on a particular skill or technique in their writing. So those three parts of it having it be writer-centered and writing-centered based on the writing right there, where there's goals driving um, the feedback, and the feedback isn't just let me tell you what to do, but let me show you how you can do this. Chapter four centers around stuck writers and promoting risk-taking. Mm. What are some of your favorite strategies to get those kids that are just stuck? Yes. So one of my favorite strategies is to uh, normalize that struggle because that really is something that writers everywhere mm -hmm. struggle with is starting off looking at that blank page. Um, Anne Lamott writes about it in Bird by Bird, um, specifically one of my favorite essays on um, what she would consider how a first draft might go. And she, she talks about how, you know, just even knowing you have to put something down on paper can be just such a struggle and a challenge. Um, so I think normalizing that struggle that every author um, has it and, and then offering some suggestions on how you work through it. Right. Uh, I think one of the things not to do is to tell them what to write yeah. um, because that makes kids very dependent every writer very dependent on turning to somebody else to tell them what it is they need to write. Um, but we can give them ways of, of getting out of that stuck situation. So strategies that will help them think about whatever the topic is, um, whatever the text type is, whatever that might be. And then also encouraging that first stage that we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. that first stage of that playfulness of ideas, getting ideas down onto paper. Um, I'm especially partial to a notebook um, where I'm able to just organically work with ideas until I can refine those ideas into something that I'm, I'm, I'm able to turn into something more structured. So I think when there's a low stakes place um, where high thinking can happen mm -hmm. um, and a notebook is a great place for that. One where we can still give feedback to them, like here are ideas that I see are starting to take shape and here's a next step I can offer you. But to have a place where it's not high stakes immediately um, and that can help those stuck writers feel a little more safe. Um, it's also stuck writers, um, reluctant writers, they all kind of fall into the same category. 
And that goes back to the reason I wrote the book in the first place, um, that because of the patterns of feedback in their, in their writing lives, sometimes a lot of reluctance to put down what is inside their head and hearts onto paper, um, only for it to be, uh, you know, received quite negatively. Um, And that's not to say that we don't give next steps and support and show writers how to to grow their writing. Yet at the same time, we want to preserve the writer and know that the work that we do with this writer will have a long-term effect on them and their willingness to write in the future. And so we're really uh, very tender with those um, writers who are feeling very uncomfortable. So I think it's really identifying with them, talking about times you've been stuck, um, offering strategy on how to feel more comfortable, and giving a place for those ideas to be born um, and grow without there being high stakes around that. Okay. So you're saying that as teachers, we need to be transparent with our own with our own lives and our own writing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yes. Absolutely. So you you address the uh, the difference between the stru- uh, the stuck and the reluctant writers. Um, those reluctant writers that are really uh, self conscious about themselves, rather than just stuck. Um, how do you approach mm-hmm. those writers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a there's a couple of techniques, teaching techniques that I like to use. Um, the first one is to get to know them before getting to know their writing. Mm-hmm. Getting to know them and you know, how writing has been something powerful in their lives in some way and how writing has been something that's, that they're not comfortable with and, and why those things have happened and where they've come to where they're feeling reluctant and, and afraid to write. Um, and then I also try to share what I notice are their strengths. Um, so specifically, there was one story um, that I put in the book, and that was when I was talking to a writer who... Um, right off the bat, I asked him to tell me what, tell me about you as a writer. And he said, I just don't like to write. And I said, Oh, okay. Um, can you just tell me more about that? He said, well, actually I write all the time, (laughs) (laughs) but I do it at home. Um, and I really love to write fantasy. And what I'm most, what I'm the strongest at is writing with humor. And I said, oh, and he said, so really what I don't like to write is what people are asking me to write. (laughs) And I said, well, I don't think I can change that part for you. But for instance, your next unit is an argument piece. I can show you how to use a little bit of humor in your argument piece um, so that you can take what you know you're strong at and use that for something that's challenging in you. So that's actually a quote from Brene Brown where she says, when giving feedback, a disposition we can take is basically saying to those that we're giving feedback, I'm here to help you use your strengths to meet your challenges. And so when we're naming the strengths for a writer that they have, and every single writer has strengths, um, when we name those strengths and then show them how to use those strengths to meet their challenges, they're much more open to taking those next steps. Oh, nice. And then the other part is really giving it time because if feedback has been really um, harsh in the past, it's going to take some time for writers to trust that the that what we're asking them to do, we know is a leap of faith and we know is very difficult. And we're asking them to put themselves out on the page. Um, Catherine Bomer in my forward uh, said that writing is the most vulnerable act that kids take on in school. Yeah. And it's a wonder they haven't raised a protest <laughs> against it. Um and so I think that it also takes time for us to support writers. And when they do have 
um, writing down that we notice what is working um, and offer next steps, which is very different than I notice what's working. I'm going to correct this for you. One of the uh, things that with reluctant writers, one of the biggest fears that I see with my students is that peer revision process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Often they will be okay with sharing their work with me, um, but they're terrified to share it with somebody else. How do we break that shell? Yes. So one of my favorite things to use are protocols um, that kids learn like one at a time, and then they can choose which protocol they want to take part in. So for instance, one of the protocols that I like is that Um, With their goal in mind of what they've been working on or working toward, um, they look to meet with somebody and they have specific feedback that they'd like to get on that goal. And so they ask that partner, um, I'm specifically looking for, have I explained my facts in my informational piece well enough? And so then the partner they're talking to pretty much paraphrases that to see if, you know, that's what uh, that person is looking for. And so that's step one and step two. Step three would be then to read with the piece in between them with no pens in hand. Um, And then step four would be for the person who was giving the feedback, they would say, well, here's some things I noticed and here are some things I think you might want to try and jot those down on a separate piece of paper or a post-it or something like that. So when there is structure in place for kids to be able to give feedback to each other, they're not as reluctant or it's not as awkward because sometimes that's what it is too. It's like a social thing that makes it feel awkward. Um, So if they know that there's a step-by-step, a protocol that they'll follow, once they're done with that, then they move on to um, back to their, to their work and taking the advice of the student that gave them feedback. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be using that this week. (laughs) I'll use that this week with my students. Um, Yeah, that's in chapter five. So there's three of them in there. (laughs) Yep. Um, So, yeah, jumping into chapter five, um, you talk about, you Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time talking about goals with writing. Um, Why is it important to set goals for young writers? Yes. Well, I mean, it's like anything in life. If we are setting a goal to outgrow ourselves in some way, then we know where we're going and we're looking to bring all of those things in and around us that will get us to wherever that goal is. So if the goal is to become a more nutritious eater, then we know that all the things we do are going to help us get to that goal. So I'll talk to others who are very nutritious. I will um, shop food shop in a certain way. I might intentionally do some research around that. So I'm looking for, and then maybe even feedback in that area. So Mm -hmm. when kids know what a goal is in writing and we want those goals to be a stretch for them, we're not looking for them to set goals of things they can already do. Um, when they have them, when they have goals that are set, they're looking in that direction. They're more purposeful in what they're doing when they're writing. And they're also seeking feedback which is a very different experience than being passive to feedback. So when they know they're going in a certain direction and we sit down with a writer and we say, so what have you done to to reach your goal? Um, And what can I help you with? They're much more apt to to ask you and to to seek out other people who have 
um, ideas for them. So other writers in the class, um, other writers in general, um, to see if, if they have other ways of supporting them. Yeah. So giving them more agency over their writing, yes, giving them exactly, agency exactly. over their and ability. And I want to say too, that it's very hard um, when we're giving feedback to writers, because sometimes there's, it seems like there can be dozens of things that we can give feedback on. But for any writer, if we give them dozens of strategies to work on, that none of them will really stick, right? right. So if we know that they have a goal, then that helps us then narrow down our feedback so that it's most useful for the writer. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. Um, now, well, one thing I was curious um, you know, you've, you've sat on your book now. It's been published for about six months uh, now. And um, I was curious, if you could go back and change or add anything to it at this point, what would you change? Yes. So, of course, there's always something. And there's, you know, you don't stop learning once it goes to print. Um, I think that the, the big thing that I would change is having a greater focus on the role of a teacher being a mentor rather than the traditional teacher definition role that, um, that we might come with. But when we think of ourselves as a mentor, we're thinking about, well, this is a more novice writer. And with this more novice writer, uh, I can think about all the struggles that I've had in writing over the years. And those struggles that I've worked through are the best tools for my teaching. And how can I then coach this writer in growing? So really, I'd, I'd add a much more, um, a, a much greater emphasis on an apprenticeship model mm-hmm. of teacher and student. Uh, I feel like that didn't um, really make it fully into the book, um, and I I have written a lot about that um, since the printing of the book. Yeah, I, I see a lot of that. I've been um, a golf coach for our high school for the last twelve years, and mm-hmm. I think I've learned more about how to teach kids on the golf course than in the classroom. Um, and I take a lot of what mm-hmm. I do on the golf course uh, to my classroom and getting down and dirty with the kids and, and rather than standing off the side and telling, we do a lot of showing and collaborating and doing it together. And so, yeah, I've taken a lot of that in my yes. classroom too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, Patty, thank you very much for your time. Um, yes. It was a wonderful to talk with you. And um, I appreciate all that you have done with your support with TG2. And um, yeah, so thank you so much for hanging out with me. Yes, thank you, Aaron. You've been so good. Your whole community has been so supportive. I appreciate it. Well, you have a good evening now. Thank you. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That concludes this episode of TG2 Chat. If you'd like more information, check us out on our website at teachersgoinggradeless.com or our Facebook group. You can also follow us on Twitter at TG2Chat. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you catch future installments of TG2Cast. Thanks for listening.